but he saw Jack really threw in goal and decided there was no advantage to Korean, so he brought it back for the free kick. <laughs> <laughs> the, the real question we can answer here is what do people think that Jack Grealish is going to do with the ball there? Like, Ake, Ake's at the age of his own box. He's, like, he's not an option for him anymore. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a love. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. If you find yourself at a stage in life where you want time to go by quicker, where you want your life to just hurry up a little bit, go watch Aston Villa chase a game away from home. I like nothing, nothing will whiz by like those 45 minutes of a second half will whip by. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how much chunk of time will be taken out in the blink of an eye when Villa need to actually use the time to their benefit. And then when they actually do use the time to their benefit, it still manages to whiz by because you only get 25 seconds of five minutes of injury time because we don't want to play too much injury time. Football fans don't want that, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) There's a a debate rumbling online. It was obviously a frustrating match, and it's okay for it to be frustrating, but then also think, fucking get in when we get an equalizer. I think before the game, you don't want to be drawn away to Bournemouth. You don't. But in the circumstance when you're 2-1 down going into the 90th minute and when the 45 minutes that preceded that were 10 minutes, basically, (laughs) (laughs) you would take a goal and you'd take a screamer of an equalizer in the 90th minute. So that was enjoyable. That was very enjoyable. Result not great, especially considering Villa could have won this fucking league and we've ballsed it up. Yeah, I mean, beforehand, like, would I have taken four points from two games away at Spurs and Bournemouth? But that's not really what we're dealing with today, unfortunately, <laughs> is it? It's, it was, would you take a point at the Vitality Stadium? And, and, and before the game, I would have told you to grow up. We're better all over the pitch. We've lost one game in the league in the last three months. Spurs and City are playing later. We have to keep pressure on Arsenal, City and Liverpool. This is our chance to put some daylight between ourselves and Spurs. After the game, no, I would have told you to grow up as well. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, I'm happy with the point, given how badly we played. I would have taken a point from the sharp end of a stick to the fucking eyeball, just so I wouldn't have to watch any more of that. Like it was, <laughs> it was a horrible watch. We were just off it, and there's nothing I find more irritating than Aston Villa being outplayed to any degree by a team that aren't as good as good as us. And we look like we were being outfought out there as well. I know. I, a lot of football in a lot of those legs this season, and we're probably relying on the same 14 or 15 players. But Jesus Christ, you can't be being run over the top of by Bournemouth. No, and I think that was the most disappointing thing, is we've had games where Villa have been bettered, where the other team is just on it more, they're hungrier, the crowd are up for it. It's just, ah, get out of here, Wolves. I'm thinking of Wolves. (laughs) 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 Bournemouth weren't good today. That's the thing, they weren't good. They they weren't that intense, a bit aggressive. We had a hold on a little bit, Martinez. We'll talk about him. Obviously, saved us in some instances as well. But it wasn't like, Jesus, get me out of here. It was, it was a chance to, even when we were 2-1 down, it was like, come on, hurry up. We, we can get back through them, go up the pitch again and, and do it. And we let them off the hook and you're sending four points away to Spurs and Bournemouth. Yes. What have I told you? What have, what have I offered you? Two points away to Wolves, Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. Would you have taken two points in? <laughs> Well, that definitely puts a different perspective on it. You're right. Um, yeah, it, it like it's it is really frustrating the two different the two different Aston Villas that we're getting at the minute. But you know, if you add it all up by the end of the season, we're going to have 57 points at home. So then it's just a question of how many points can we get away to make up the 70. I do think there is something about like obviously it's clear like where home form is better significantly than the away form. A lot of that's because our home form is ridiculous. Like it's almost like our away form is being tainted by how good the home form is, and maybe maybe that's okay as well to look at it from that point of view. It's like, why are we so good there and not as good away from home? But I do think as well we're almost victims of our own success because everyone and it's just it's almost like the high line narrative that people were using until they realised it was bollocks. But everyone's now talking about Villa being bad away from home. We're not we're not bad. Like that was that wasn't a great result today. But again relatively this this away form is fine it's just when you compare it to the best home form in the league then it is a big difference like draw uh, draw with 
Wolves and losing to Nottingham Forest aren't good. We played really badly today as well. But then the two games that we lost away from home other than the Forest game are fucking St. James's Park and Anfield. Fuck me. Like they are, they are not easy places to go. Anfield, famously the hardest place to go in the league. And having to fucking go out to Saudi Arabia for this first game of the season, that's going to fucking take it out of you. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the the goals and, and the goals that weren't as well. The first one, courtesy of... The person who started the category should we sign that player just in case? It's our <laughs> boy Semenu, and uh, it's just it's a bit too easy, isn't it? It's sort of like the ball's worked into the center, it's given away, obviously. <laughs> it's worked into the center, given away, and it's just a simple pass through, and like he pulls it into the bottom left corner. But I mean, talk about talk about architects of our own downfall. Yeah, the, the frustrating thing here is that Bournemouth started off quite well, but then they hadn't had the ball in the previous seven minutes. And then Semenyo plays a fucking dreadful ball into Douglas <laughs> Louise. And Douglas Louise pings it back first time to Carlos. Douglas Louise wasn't that keen on receiving the ball in that position. The best midfielder in the league doesn't want it. He knows Bournemouth for high, that he has his back to, and back to that press of Bournemouth. But Diego Carlos knows better, apparently. He decides that after Bournemouth have had a chance to advance another five metres, that's the time to ping it back into one of our midfielders. And you notice <laughs> I'm doing exactly the same thing as Diego Carlos here in denying Ryan Christie's existence. But that's why I haven't bothered mentioning Ryan Christie yet because it was a stupid <laughs> pass whether or not Christie exists or not. Yeah. It was fucking ridiculous. The fourth official supposed to check for rings, necklaces, studs. Apparently he didn't bother checking for Ryan Christie's invisibility cloak. What the fuck is Diego Carlos playing at? Semenyo finishes the ball well, but that's because we already know, like we said, after the first game of the season, he's one of the best players in the league. <laughs> and if we had assigned him just in case, we might have spared ourselves <laughs> from that goal. The, the, the Christy getting assist and getting bonus points, all three bonus points in fantasy football then because of that as well. It's just a kick in the teeth when Watkins is obviously getting an assist and scoring. You would expect him to get all three bonus points. But Watkins does get the assist for Bailey, but you have to say, it's not only on Bailey. Watkins just collected the ball in that position. He collects it, turns around, finds his wide man, and Bailey says, relax, lads. It's one-on-one, but I'm going to make it a one-on-three, and then I'm still going to whip it into the far bottom corner. Just the... The confidence. I mean, we really do. Like, I, like, I know that this is very hard to do what they're doing there, but we do need to see more of this from Bailey and the Abbey because they make it look so easy sometimes. Just coming on left, and now, like, what Bailey has done is terrified defenders. They like, they do know. I know we had a bit of crack about it, but like, Bailey is. We had a bit of crack because Bailey is so good at going down the line on his right. But all that work, not only did it create all those other goals, it's now freaked defenders out. They're just giving him too much space. And when he's confident and he's doing what he's doing, like th- this was so easy for him. It looked so easy. Like we, I couldn't get close to doing what he did there with that ease. Yeah, and after he scored that, I was thinking, ah, that's it now. We can we can all stop pretending he shouldn't be starting now at this stage of the season. Yeah, like yeah. He's, he's forced his way into the starting lineup. About 50 minutes later, I was wishing we had Leon Bailey to come off the bench and to change the game. But Honestly, like that, like that's a whole conversation itself because I was so happy. Just like you had the same thought process. Yeah, let's just play Bailey. You know, he he is him. Let's just let's just play Bailey. <laughs> and and then it was like uh, we're suddenly taking him off, and you're happy enough to see him come off. And it's like. I really wish we, we just sort of saved them. If we had just been patient and just enjoyed 40-minute Bailey instead. <laughs> yeah. But like, you're right. Kerkez is obviously a big, big fan of the Villa podcast because he is fucking terrified of Leon Bailey getting on that magical right foot of his. But he, he's also not helped <laughs> out by his by his cover and midfielder. I mean, the guy haven't seen a cook is unsteady on their feet in a football pitch since Delia Smith invaded Carroll Road. Like, what is he doing? He can't adjust. He can't adjust at all. Like, his lack of mobility was great for Villa in that instant, but it makes our performance all the more frustrating that we were largely mm. dominated by him in midfield running through the middle of us. Fucking terrible. <laughs> then, when we think we get in front, the big talking point, I suppose, is the top of the shooters too, but this is the first one. It's a free kick on the right-hand side, and we all know what's going to happen here. And one of the things we didn't know was going to happen was Douglas Louise under hitting the free kick, but Ollie Watkins sorting it out, flicking it on. 
and uh, look at Dean. I think at the at the back post gets it back across, and it's it's just it's a brilliant finish from Diego Carlos. So much composure, just whips it in, like just takes it in the direction the ball's coming already. It looks like he's been there and been doing that for years, and it's a good. It's 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 just a good moment of redemption for him as well, but it's taken away again. We're we're victims of a as a kneecap being offside, and yeah, maybe Arsene Wenger is only someone after all. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really there's a really good shape on the cross again, but it's not deep enough, and you're right, Watkins does well to flick it on. And you know, whenever I saw it, I, I was going to praise Luca Dean for the hunger and the battle and the strength to get in front of his man. But now that I know he had a head start in him, I'm just wondering how he ended up behind him in that case. What the fuck's he playing at? <laughs> and Jesus Christ, Connor, I don't think you've ever been kinder to a footballer than to say Diego Carlos finished that really well. Like he pulled across it and nearly whipped missed it across, it. I think I said. <laughs> <laughs> don't misquote me. <laughs> well, a whip is definitely, definitely very fucking kind. Uh, we then went behind again, and it's, it's my boy. Solanke, I told you about this guy, and ah, uh, I don't know. Like I, I know, I can see what Emmy Martin is thinking. He's thinking big Bailey's out there. Let's just float one up to him, and he'll make something up. But like, if you're going to float a ball, I don't, I don't even care if it's big Bailey underneath it. Do we have to do it forty yards away from our own goal? Like, just can we, can we head it into their half? I sound like, um, I sound like Graham Taylor. Who can we not knock it? Can we not knock it? Like, just knock the fucking ball along. Can we get it up there? And, you know, instead we're just floating it inside our own half. Bailey, it's a half-hearted attempt to get up for it. Head it down viciously. Telemans gets taken out too easily. Carlos has his hands behind his back. Is it to say it's all fine? It's not fine. It's far too casual. Douglas Louise doesn't complete his run because uh, presumably... His compatriot has told him it's all fine. I've got my hands behind his back. This is easy. And then Douglas Louise seems to be an inch away then from making the interception because he's now reacting. Instead, if he had just completed the run, he would have just cut that out so easily. And then Alex Solanke, it's a nice touch. I don't think Torres can do much because it's a nice pullback finish then as well. It's a, it's a nice finish, I would say, but oh, it's so annoying. It feels like we gave away two goals today. Diego Carlos is standing six yards off a fucking fullback. And he's, he's standing in the middle of nowhere as well. So like it's, it's not like he's afraid of vacating the really good space that he's taking up. He's literally just standing there. He's just standing between the front post and the edge of the box, waiting yeah. for Kerkes to swing the ball. And, and you're right, he has his hands behind his back because he's worried about conceding the penalty. Do you know what would be a better way to not concede a penalty? Get out of the fucking box. Get out <laughs> to the fucking man. It's Kerkes. Get out and block the fucking cross. And Torres, like, I'm not surprised to hear you talking about there's not much Torres can do there. It's exactly how you would fucking defend Watery. He's far <laughs> too far off. It's absolutely ridiculous. He gets spun when he's two yards off his man. Like, yeah. If you're going to give a centre forward that much space in the box, it would want to be because you're going to nail him on his touch. He can't be standing. Oh, no, he gets spun. He's not beside him. It's absolutely ridiculous. Spun by Solanke, though. <laughs> Solanke, yeah, actually, your man, your man Solanke. Yeah, you text me in fucking March last year saying Philip Billing and Dominic Solanke are gonna end Konza and Mings. <laughs> Fuck me! I'll tell you what. If it was Konza and Mings in those positions, they wouldn't have scored that second goal. Mm, yeah, well, we're going to talk about Konza uh, in the award categories. <laughs> that sounds bizarre. We are going to talk about that decision. There was a tactical decision, the positional decision. And like we're talking about Diego Carlos with his hands behind his back. I could see Konza telling him, like signaling him to come out, just push out, push out on the fullback in the box there, just go and get the ball off him. And it must be hard for him to be peripheral, literally peripheral, like signaling to what he would do. Just just like go out and get like don't let that ball come across. Ah, it's too late. And then Sir Torres can't do anything by the time it does come across. <laughs> but, but this like is, it did, this is, yeah, sorry, this is the ahead. other thing, sorry, that some people... Sometimes the danger is the fucking ball. Like, people seem to be obsessed with occupying space and making sure... That, like, like I said, Carlos wasn't in a good position. But you, sometimes you just have to go to the ball. And he has to understand that the only other person that's a danger there, that's a threat, 
is Dominic Solanke at the edge of the box. And he can see Douglas Louise. I hope he can see Douglas Louise coming back. He can see the Torres behind him. He has to now go out to the ball. Kirkus isn't going to skin him. And also, just get out to the fucking ball. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. <laughs> uh, the, the second half then just whipped by. Yeah, it just flew by and suddenly it's like you know there's 15 minutes left like what is happening here and then and then suddenly there's 10 minutes left and we're clinging on and martinez is making saves like why are why are we defending get the ball and go back up the pitch and then suddenly diaby on the right wing we said can we try this guy out wide can we see what he has the offer out there and he's got he's got a I have to say, he's got a cutback to offer. He's got a lovely ball. In fairness, I could play a really bad ball on his right foot. Maybe he's the anti-Bailey. Maybe he's just good on his left foot. Just get it onto your left foot and put it in on Ollie Watkins' head. And we know when Watkins gets a quarter of a chance to his head, he is going to make magic happen. But honestly, <laughs> we, we've criticized Watkins for some of his headers of late. And rightly so, I would say. But Jesus, this is one of the, the best-headed goals I've seen in a long time in an Aston Villa shirt. It was glorious. I would call this, I would call this a Tyrone Mings header. The the way he's gotten his he's gotten his head around to the other side of the ball. He's used his neck muscles to drive it back again in the other direction. He's like the accuracy, the power. He had to he had to check his run back to go get the Abbey's perfect ball that I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> And then he just gets his head around it, and oh, it's 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 glorious! It's such a good goal. It's just I think it was such a good goal as well because it felt like this game's gone. You know, there's, there's nothing happened here. And then sometimes it's nice. I think I, and I, I don't have the stats here, and I so I assume I'm wrong. I'm just petulant when I'm watching these matches. It's like we never just get a goal out of nothing. Like you know, we never even though we score loads now from free kicks and stuff, but it just feels like we don't get it enough. And then just a ball into the box, and your centre forward. Producing a header like that is just magical when it feels like it's over, and it's like, oh my god, like you know, that that's why I know people are thinking that was a nice point in the end. Yeah, I, I can't believe you were questioning his ability to head the ball only two weeks ago. As well. <laughs> just <laughs> but, me, yeah. <laughs> but all that practice of trying to flick the ball to the back post needlessly, <laughs> it must be said, for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> really pays off there. It's an absolutely ridiculous header. And I'm gonna to have to go back over the annals just to just to check. Does does Ollie Watkins only miss easy chances? If you give Ollie Watkins the most awkward thing in the world, if you put a ball out to his left foot, if you put a cross two yards behind him, will he just score? Is that is that the key to getting the best out of Ollie Watkins? Give him a shit pass. It's an absolutely ridiculous header. He does so much with that ball. It's incredible. Daniel on Twitter did say Watkins flicking it to the back post again. <laughs> so maybe that's the trick. <laughs> maybe we do have to just let him keep putting it to the back post. Maybe he knows like that. That is the the unsavable zone for a keeper. And if I can only hit it, if I can hit that back post every so often, it'll go in. But geez, I don't want to even take away anything from that goal. It was it was just glorious. Save today, really. And it is nice. It is nice when you don't play well, when you don't get the result, you still don't lose. Like there is something to that as well. Like where the boys will be bouncing back up the road, thinking, you know what. 
bad day at the office, but we've gotten a point. We didn't lose. We're still three points clear in, in fourth place. There, there's something, there, there's a good mentality part of that. And things could have changed as well. Like, I'm talking about the two goals that we gave away felt like, you know, they, they were of our own making. And this game could have been different with the VAR decision, and it could have been different with with Semenyo not getting sent off. Like, your hero should have been sent off as well. Just put, like, Leon Bailey's cooking. He's in the first 40 minutes zone where we know Leon Bailey <laughs> will give us 40 minutes of pure magic, and and it's just pulled back. It should, it should be a second yellow, and they're not interested. I felt like... I don't know. Like I think I come on here all the time and 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 say the referee say says he's influenced too much by the crowd. I, I believe that as well. I think there's just far too many times where they're keen to like. There's studies done on this where referees will will blow differently based on the crowd. Like they they play crowd sounds for referees during studies, like home crowd sounds, and they do back the home crowd more than they would when it's just a plain behind closed doors decision when they're actually just looking at it and like this, this is a perfect example like this this is just a second yellow just give it it's not it's not your fault but i suppose mm. this will this will satisfy howard webb it'll satisfy jamie Carragher. we want to keep it 11 v 11 don't we <laughs> yeah like n- never mind pulling bailey's shirt off so you must be pulling tom bramble's mickey off what the fuck it's an absolutely <laughs> horrendous decision like not not only that, like refs are supposed to be clamping down on dissent, right? So a, a few yellow cards isn't going to change anybody's behaviour. A, a yellow card is only good because of the jeopardy it causes. And if you mm. remove that jeopardy by not giving somebody a deserved second yellow card because you've just booked him because he was being a whinging cunt, then it doesn't fucking matter. That initial yellow card is now pointless. I mean, there's a lot of... Howard Webb and all those lads are dicking around a lot. Arsene Wenger's looking to try to change the offside rule. Like, there's a lot of things they should just fucking focus on and getting right first. Some really, really low fucking hanging fruit here. If somebody commits a yellow card offence, give them the fucking yellow card. The fact that they've just committed a yellow card previous to that, seconds before that, doesn't mean that you can't give it anymore. It actually means that you should probably give it even more now because he's such a fucking idiot. <laughs> what in the name of God is that? Like you're talking about blowing for the home crowd. There's a, that is a really interesting story to figure out. Why the fuck refs are afraid to give a second yellow card? Why is the bar higher? That's preposterous. And you hear ex-footballers, uh, John Walters has said this a few times, you know, he genuinely is my hero, but he has said this a few times on Twitter. Just, the, he's, he's explicitly said the bar for a second yellow card is higher. And there's no reason for that, but it's almost like you know that there's there's ex professionals, the the guys that all the ex professionals want to see in the VAR room now talking about this intangible thing that doesn't make any sense. They can't write this down. They're just saying the bar is higher, and I don't know where exactly that bar lies, but it should be higher for for some reason that nobody's able to put word into words. Pulling somebody's shirt back as well is picture book yellow card. Somebody's on a counter attack. You grab a fistful of shirt. It's a yellow card. Calling the referee a wanker or whinging, whatever he was doing before that, is a yellow card. The bar is any higher for those two. Those two are the two things that are yellow cards. Yeah. Everybody knows that. It's like the Lewis Dunk yellow card, uh, the second yellow card. Was it Anthony Taylor to give it to him? And it was just like he called me a cunt. Like he, I gave him a yellow card. He called me a cunt. He, he got an all yellow card. Like that's it. And it, it, it should be that simple for a ref. It should be. I don't want to do that. Like, he was being stupid. This is a shame. Yeah, I, I agree with you. This is a shame now that he's off because of that. And <laughs> he won't do it again. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll come back with WhatsApp winges. Conceding unnecessary corners. Look at Dean. Uh, do you remember this one? Ball coming across the back post just in that period where we're 2-1 down. We should be getting on the ball and going forward. And instead, we're conceding unnecessary corners. Look at Dean. Flex it. Just have a look to see if anybody's behind you. Listen to Martinez. Head it back to Martinez. The ball's bouncing up for you. And he doesn't take any risks. Not there. Gets rid of it. The annoying thing about this is, look at Dean was offended himself so much that I assumed that he was right. I assumed yeah, that yeah. he didn't hear anything, that there was somebody behind him. There is somebody behind him. I don't think he can let that go. But then you see the replay, and Martinez, is, Martinez literally has his hands out saying, come to me, Luca, it's fine. Yeah. And he just completely rejects it. It's not even a deflexor. He completely nuts it out of play. Really, really strange decision, especially when you can see Martinez three yards from him screaming. 
Do you know what we should do a bit more? This is the first WhatsApp winch. Foul Bournemouth players when they're in defence. <laughs> That's a good way to waste t- two minutes of our own time, isn't it? <laughs> It's a good way to give the ball away. That 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 should be fine. It's like you know, the Burmer defenders have the ball; they're going to clear it. We like we have a fine to this to this nature anyway. It was a bit more <laughs> it was a bit more specified where it was a defender running into the corner and you push him over. But just a defender about to clear the ball away, and we push them over. We trip them. We give them a foul. We let them lie down there for another two minutes. We let them push up the pitch, get reset. We let the keeper come out and take them. Why has that happened four times in this match? Well, like, what? <laughs> Four times that, that that's basically eight minutes that we've wasted. That's not going to get added on. <laughs> Jacob Ramsey did one, just trip someone so lazily. John Duran did one. I think Luca Dean did one. Fuck me. I, we were about a yard off of everything we were doing today as well. So it's not it's not surprising that that was happening as well. I don't actually think they were being cynical. I don't think it was them being frustrated even. I just think they were playing shit and they were getting there far too late and ended up crunching the person. Second, what's up, Winch? If one more ball is played like that, Taylor Dean, I'm going to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> this was like painful to watch. Just felt like we had a chance. Dean had run 100 yards to get up down the side of the box and someone's just underplayed it to him. They played it too close to the center back. They played it too short. Someone's caught it out. It's just a, it, the pass is there. Like just, just pass it to him. Just pass it to him. Ollie Watkins did an awful one. Jacob Ramsey was sorted through the centre, but I think he got taken up by a defender. Look at Dean was there because he'd made up the 100 yards to get there. And it's just, <laughs> Jesus, he just undercooked it. John McGinn did such an awful one. Just back to that stomach churn and, you know, that feeling of such a bad pass. It's, just, it's a bad pass because you've, you, you've just under, so like you've undercooked it because you're trying not to fuck it up. And that makes it even worse. <laughs> you would have been better just hitting that too hard, hitting it too well. <laughs> yeah couldn't get it right couldn't get the fucking ball to him there's a couple even in the first half as well where we tried to drop it off to him I think there was one with Douglas Louise there was one with John McGinn as well and then like, it's on his right foot and things as well it's like he set himself now to whip this into the box we've seen how dangerous that can be all year just play the ball onto his left foot what the fuck are we playing at or whenever he was one on one and it was uh What's his name? Travnier running with him. It's like he's too fast. You can't you can't give him a foot race against him. What are you playing at? Like he's dropped out short. Give it to him there. And Dean knew this as well. He wasn't trying to make that run. He was trying to be a bit smarter, trying to get himself into space. Ball never came. The third WhatsApp winch is really <laughs> of the the WhatsApp vintage. Proper proper winch, and maybe a bit over the top. But I stand by it. I stand by it at the time anyway. This is all real-time real time complaints. John Duran needs to grow up a little bit. <laughs> he does. I know he's young. I know he's very young. I, I, You know, I like the cut of his jib. You know, I think he's a good player. I can't believe the size of him, actually, as well. I don't think I really appreciated that. But, Jesus, he's crazy. Like, I think he's uh, sending off, waiting to happen, and I feel that in every game. And it's not even a thing that impresses me. I know you might think, oh, Conan's going to love this stuff. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to love this stuff when you know when we're losing the ball, when we're when we're falling into their trap. He did this with Joe Gomez. Remember, he was just squaring up to him. He like he did this with the Bournemouth player. He's picking him up off the ground. Fair enough. And then that guy has no right to you now act like a hard man after he's trying to pretend like he's injured, lying down on the ground. That's okay. John Duran is right to pick him up and say, "Come on, get off the pitch, pal." But don't like don't stick your head into him that now VAR is looking at it. Imagine he had to get sent off. There. Just it's just a bit too loose with things like that. Even you know, this will surprise you. Even during the Warsaw game, where he's he's, he's getting the crowd going after Villa, how, how, they were two one up, and he obviously wanted a bit more. And I appreciate that he wanted a bit more, and he, he he's doing that thing with his hands trying to get the crowd going. It's like no, come on, just just focus on the next ball. Like you just just get into your happy place. Just you know, it's the same way that. Watkins is better when you play him a bad ball because now he has to focus on going back to retreat that ball and just you know all he's focusing on it is making something of a shit pass. That that's that's Watkins' happy place. You know, just just get into that place as much as you can. Forget about 
forget about the cameras being on you forget about the crowd looking at you forget about what people are tweeting and things like that you know the like the, this is where you can fall into an arsenal trap or a united trap i remember hannibal came on and kicked somebody against liverpool <laughs> and everyone was like oh geez at least he showed something out there today <laughs> like he's got a yellow card it's the only thing he did in the game but like that that's that's the sort of stuff that another player then can like they could just go to their head thinking about the crowd love this i'm going to give them a bit more of this like what we love john duran for is taking the ball down in his chest and scoring an absolute screamer when we're one nil down against crystal Palace. <laughs> just well just 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 keep focusing on that just keep staying in that rhythm yeah i'm not sure why you went to such extremes there to preface that with a it's only a whatsapp whinge because we all know what you're like on WhatsApp. I mean, we've already talked about one. You sent me a message before saying Philip Billing and Dominic Solanke are going to end Kanza and Mings. <laughs> but, but also, but because you're right as well, he was being a fucking moron. Like, you can't give these lads an excuse to give you a red card. If, if he had been sent off there, I would have been annoyed at the decision. I definitely don't think it's a red card offence. But I also would have been more annoyed at John Duran for being so moronic as to put his head into another player's head. They're looking for reasons to send. Well, Tom Bramble's not looking for a reason to send anybody off, apparently. So I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> maybe he knew that, uh, in fairness. Maybe maybe John Duran's just playing the referee. Let's take it another breather. We're going to come back after this. My mind's telling me no. This is what makes Big Bear DT so hard to resist. But my body, my body's telling me He's like a lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger. You know that ultimately he's really bad for you, but my god is he delicious. Big Berti Berti, so hard to resist. So hard to resist. But what do you say about the people here now saying it's time to go on a diet? <laughs> yeah, is it worth it? It might sate my appetite for a while, but I'm only looking worse. My skin's breaking out in spots. My waistline's getting a bit out of control, and overall, it's not the best thing for me. So hard to resist. So hard to resist. It's very enjoyable eating the burger. My God, is he delicious? My God, too hard to resist. Lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger. Bertrand Chirori. Bertrand Chirori. A moment on the lips, forever on the hips. <laughs> Let's do the Rosenthal Award. I think we all thought Zaniolo, this is his day. He's getting his start. He's getting to play up front. We're going to see Zanny Volley. <laughs> We're going to see Zanny Volley. It's going to happen. This is going to be today. The record's getting as bad as Rasmus Howland's now. <laughs> <It's not today. laughs> it doesn't look like it's going to be his day anytime soon, and not with the one that he skied over in the first half early on. Ah, really frustrating. Like McGinn and Dougie do really well to sniff the opportunity to get on the press. And this is just when Villa were starting to turn it around as well, you know, starting to dominate the game, which lasted for about seven minutes. And <laughs> when the ball turned it over, brilliant. But talk about snatching at a chance. Like a chance at goal and the chance you've been fucking given by Unai Emery out of the complete blue as well. Just smack the desperation. Douglas Wee flicked one over someone's head, had a shot, and then the menu had one from a tight angle, could save from Martinez, and then Solanke. I think we were all surprised there. That he missed from <laughs> <laughs> two yards, and even more surprisingly, this isn't going to be his only nomination on the Rossenthal Award. <laughs> yeah, the, the doggy one is brilliant from Dean initially, great aggression. And doggy, the flick over the head, I mean, he has to shoot after doing that. And despite being named after the bloody thing, the Bournemouth keeper hasn't a fucking notion where the nets are. Absolutely. He's got about a yard wide. I don't know why he's bothered himself there. Let's just say it's a good thing he's made it as a footballer because I can't imagine he's fucking past his maths GCSE if that's a level of trigonometry he's got going on. Ridiculous stuff. 
the Semenya one, that's decent shots. I mean, Lee Hendry had already committed to saying that Semenya was the best player in the world, so we had to talk that up. Really, it's straight at Martin Est as well to push it over the bar. The Solanke one, it's really, it's, it's, it's a double. I mean, Ryan Christie makes Dougie look like a fucking poodle. And then your hero, Solanke, decides to try to bounce it over Martin Est's hip. And then, to be fair to Semenya, he does do brilliantly then to play the ball back across. And Solanke is obviously wearing a pair of Astro boots because, geez, he has to score that. <laughs> In the second half, we got a bit of awesome McPhee magic. We got a corner from Douglas Louise along the end lane to John McGinn. Let's it roll across him. Drills it across. Comes to Watkins. Uh, I know he's stretching. I know he's coming around the corner at it. It's not a good connection. It's blocked along the way. Hint of handball. We didn't even find out that they were checking that until about five minutes later. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe he could have made more from that. I feel like he was stretching for it, though. Uh, it's, it's it's such such a clever corner, you're right. And I don't think we're going to give Austin McPhee too much praise seeing as we haven't scored from a corner yet. But <laughs> McGinn shows brilliant awareness to realise that he can turn, that Bournemouth have completely switched off, and he doesn't have to just whip that in. He can carry it and pick out his man. Mm. Big shout from Watkins to fall on his arse when he's hitting it. But it's it's so fucking weird. These, the, the VAR, we're looking, <clears throat> and the... Commentators were looking, is there a handball there? Like slowing it down so much to check for a handball. We're assuming it was the fucking resolution that was the problem with Ollie Watkins' shirt, the big fucking white blob that was going across the screen now with Ollie Watkins' shirt being pulled as he's about to strike that ball. Yeah. They yeah. haven't even bothered looking at it, haven't even given it a cursory glance, and they're trying to check if the ball is brushed off his hand. While they're checking that, an inch to the right, you can see Ollie Watkins' shirt is now three times bigger than it fucking should be. <laughs> Now, honestly, like this is this is a. I think we can get away with this one decision. We're not on Sky Sports. It's it's <laughs> it's all happening. He's still got a shot away. A lot of bodies. Would he have scored anyway? Yeah, let's just move on. Good process, boys. <laughs> and then Solanke is nominated. I can't believe it. Like if if Diego Carlos, like he he's obviously won the Peter Enkelman What the fuck award? A hundred percent. But. Jacob Ramsey and Luca Dean. Jesus Christ Almighty, we're open there. We're we're in attack. I don't even know who to blame here. Initially, I was blaming Ramsey, and and then I was looking at Luca Dean, thinking, have you not? What were you waiting on Ramsey to do? And then why were you playing it to him if you thought he was going to stay in that position? Ramsey decided too late, definitely. I'm now going to make a run. I'm going to make a run inside where you vacated, and then Luca Dean didn't play it there. He played it where Ramsey vacated. And then just stream down the pitch. Yuri Telemann sells himself. It's unbelievable. And you're going to slide in like that in the sideline. You make sure you get the ball or you bring somebody down. Just taking yourself out of the game and you're the centre midfielder. Kamara's not here. You, you've taken yourself out of the game. And like this, this should definitely be a goal. It's like it's, it's an amazing save from Martinez Slanky again from two yards. We should be doing should be doing better. But this Look at Dean and Ramsey. Like this was terrible. Like I, I almost want to give that the what the fuck award more than Diego Carlos. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's a really common thing to happen at a shit level of football. I mean, <laughs> Ramsey, you're right. Ramsey's run is too late, but I'm always inclined to think that the person who's done the worst thing there is the person who's passed the ball to where there's no Aston Villa player. What the fuck is Luca Dean doing? He's just he's just passed the ball to a Bournemouth player. Ridiculous. Yuri Telemans does his best fucking Anthony impression. And then Diego Carlos. Diego Carlos loses his man more often than fucking Elizabeth Taylor. What in the name of fucking God was he playing at? He just completely switches off. And you can't afford to switch off of a player like Dominic Solanke throwing it around behind you. Jesus Christ, and like Martinez does really well to cover as much of the goals he's can as he can. Oh, not to cover that much so when it's Solanke. And then the annoying thing is we actually and it's it this this just sprung up on us like a little surprise. Uh, suddenly we just started banging the ball around and it was like, oh, there's this this has been going on for twenty seconds now. I think I think this is a nice move. We, the passing was crisp. Uh, Jacob Ramsey plays it into Douglas Louise. It was all suddenly boys just started feeling good uh, out of nowhere. We were just starting to produce this good football again. And this was coming from the fence, built up to Ramsey on the left, into Douglas Louise. Just a lovely pass, just drills it into Watkins, flicks it off first time. Great touch from John Durand. Like just, I don't, I don't know what he's done there to do the defender, but he, he's, just, he's just dragged it forward with the with the studs. 
gets a shot away, but it's deflected, and you, you think it's going to be one of those ones where it's just deflecting right into the empty net, and the keeper's done by it, and it hits off the post. It was so frustrating because it was like suddenly we had played a bit of football and we didn't get the reward. Yeah, it's absolutely lovely football. You're right. It's a great rattle from Dougie into the big centre forwards. <laughs> what a layoff from Ollie Watkins. And the first touch from Duran is absolutely magical. Gets unlucky with the deflection. Nearly got incredibly lucky with it. But the move itself just deserved a goal. It was just so clinical. Boom, boom, boom. And then just waiting for it to nestle into the net, but it doesn't. What the hell was the winner? Solanke, probably? Well, definitely Dominic Solanke. But you left out Villa's biggest chance to Douglas Louise sitter in the first half. Oh, I mean, oh my God. Like Of all the players in the league, I want that ball to fall to in that position. It's Douglas Louise. And he's yeah. caught it so badly. He's made Neto's job so fucking easy. It's ridiculous. Ah, that was... Because that, that, that was that was at that stage an undeserved goal for Aston Villa when he should definitely fucking score. He has to just roof that. Terrible, terrible finish from Dougie. I've got a new award category, and it's called Robin Olsen being denied the perfect assist award. <laughs> this, this award is going to be given to players who who produce something magical, and the end result just never, never gave them the credit that they deserved. Like we, we, we won't. Well, we probably will because of Robin Olsen, but we won't talk about that pass more often than we should now because because it didn't lead to a goal. Um, which you know we should always just be looking back at replays of that lovely goal now from Olsen to Bailey over the top against Warsaw, and we should really be talking about and we're never going to talk about it again. Pau Torres's pass, and mm. like I didn't even credit Pau Torres for his ball to Diaby that led to the Ollie Watkins equaliser. Like That was a beautiful switch of play. Bangs it out to Diaby on the right-hand side who worked a space to get the crossing to, to Watkins' goal. We're more focused on Watkins, rightly so, but great pass from Power Torres. And then, and then an injury time. I don't even know what happened. The ball was trickling, bouncing up to him. And he's just fucking laced it with like the outside of his boot over ahead, but not too hard that it was going to get away from Diaby. He's actually put Diaby through. It was like... It was like a torpedo kick that he managed to wrap his foot around it this way and still play it in front of Diaby, still switch to play as well. And then Diaby goes to control the ball, and I think he's controlled it with his right foot, so maybe this is the problem. Diaby goes to control <laughs> the ball, and it's like he falls over, it's like he trips, I don't know, was it played with that much power, was it really a torpedo? But he, he, he just goes to knock it in front of himself and then stumbles as he does it, and lets the Bournemouth defender get back and... And just turn, just turn away on the ball. <laughs> it's like someone's just produced a pass of the match, and it's just over. It's just over after one touch because because you couldn't you couldn't get it under control. You couldn't you couldn't bail it basically. <laughs> yeah, I think you've undersold that. It's the pass of the season. It's absolutely ridiculous piece of skill. His foot's about six foot off the ground whenever he's slicing across that, and now it's just utterly lost forever. Like nobody will ever watch that pass again. That moment is lost in time, like tears in the rain. And as a society, <laughs> as a society, all we can try to cling to is that most people won't know that they've missed it, that their lives are not as good as they yeah. as it could have been had they seen that pass. I mean, actually, the best the best I've ever struck a ball was when I was fourteen at lunchtime. I split three players straight out to our winger. Or, or winger. <laughs> we were playing a pretty fluid system at lunchtime, I'm being honest, Colin, total football. But it, it wasn't the quality of the through ball. It was the quality of the strike. And the ball stayed about an inch off the ground for 20 metres. And I can still see the dust from the gravel. It was spilling into the air as it just moved across the ground. I can still yeah. feel it coming off my foot. Absolutely perfect. And maybe Paul Torres will sleep easily tonight, knowing that he played that pass. <laughs> and no one's ever talked about your pass again. Do you know <laughs> Lost to the annals of history. And like Pau Torres, just like that, the greatest pass football never had. <laughs> you are the winner of the Robin Olsen being denied the perfect assist award. We appreciate it, Pau. We, we always do. The you like them, we didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. What Like, what's going on now with this concept right back business? I don't <laughs> know. It's not even, I don't think he's great there. I don't think he's bad. I actually think he might be better in cash there, but it's not the point. I'd rather play cash at right back and keep Konza where it is. We should be starting with Konza. The non-negotiables, and in Emery's head, it, the non-negotiables in the team are the same as me. It's Emmy Martin is, it's Konza, it's Douglas Louise, it's Watkins. But 
for me, the non-negotiable should be Kanza at centre back, and it doesn't matter who's missing out on that. Like that's that's a tough call to make. We just make it because he has to be playing centre back. We're better there with him there. Kanz is better there, and I feel like playing Cash at right back is better because we get to play Kanza at centre back, and then just to take it on one further. Why the fuck are we taking Kanza off? What, if we are bringing Cash on, can we just move Kanza in the centre back like that? I don't want to see Kanza coming off ever again. Like this really is. Are you like Glenn Whelan taking a ninetieth minute penalty award? Like this is going to take some beating. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Kanza's our best player. Kanza, Kanza, Diego Carlos, or sorry, Diego Carlos, Kanza or Dougie Louise have been our best player this season. And it, this is very similar to the. Do you want? <laughs> do you want to roll Mings and Harry Kane in your England team or Harry Maguire and Dominic Calvert-Lewin Kanza yeah. and Cash regardless of whether or not you think Kanza is a better right back than Cash I don't think he is Kanza and Cash is much better than Carlos and Kanza it's 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 not right that Kanza is being taken out of that position you're right it is absolutely non-negotiable that Kanza should be centre half for us He's been our best defender this year he's been our best defender from centre half very very strange decision the fact that he didn't take off Carlos a baffling I think like you know as if that was going to disrupt things Cons and and Pau Torres have played together 12 times a season as a partnership it would have been fine Carlos was at fault for both goals mad decision I thought mad decision and even if you took away the context of Carlos being at fault which you shouldn't really have to anyway but it's, it's just just put Conza back in it's not even a my reason for putting Kanza in the centre back isn't even anything to do with Carlos or Callum Chambers or whoever. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just start with Kanza and we'll work it from there. Start with Kanza and Torres, I would say, and then we'll work it from there. That, that Tyrone Mings is out. Like, yeah, that's it's it's just not right. The team is better with Kanza in the centre. I really hope like and this could be another nomination, but I hope you and I is using is going to use the start that we've had of this campaign to. To his advantage is he going to is he going to knock on a few doors upstairs and and say, look, we can make a big push here in January. Give me X, Y, and Z. I feel like Unai Emery, as 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 much as you know, Carragher and the boys would, would like you to think otherwise, he hasn't he hasn't had that much investment in the team really or in the squad, especially when you consider the injuries that we've had. I feel like he, he's entitled now to say we we could we could we could step on here now if you back us, and it probably is the right time. There's there's enough. There's enough teams falling away, and there always are. In fairness, but like this, we we could we could act now, and we can we can get him some more reinforcements in January, and like even whatever about reinforcements, just upgrades. You and I, you you've you've proven yourself over this last year. Now tell me what you think will help help us step on another another level. I I, I don't want them to fall into the trap of just focusing on the next. Year. It just gets on with things, which is good. It's really refreshing. You know, somebody had said to him about. Watkins potentially being out and like what a shame that would be and his his automatic response to that is like yeah but we were getting Ramsey we've got Ramsey back we've got whoever back and and, and Moreno and like that that is great and it's good that the manager is positive and thinking that way but also maybe just use a start now to say no let's let's go again let's let's invest a bit more because we've proven that we're worth it never mind he's worth it yeah, I think Unai Emery took Aston Villa from 17th to 7 by signing a left-back that nobody had heard of last, last January. <laughs> so where where can he take us from, from 4th, Conor? If we've signed a right-back this, this January, surely we're going to want the whole bloody thing. But just, sorry, just back on the cons, I think it changes the way we can play as well because Konza has been so dynamic at carrying the ball out. It's like it's not like Torres is obviously an absolutely elite ball playing centre half, but Konza has been breaking the lines with his carrying of the ball as well from centre half. That's been a big, big loss whenever he's playing right back like it was today. I think you're right. I think we, I think we do have to look. We do have to look to back Emery now. There's no point in just letting this start drift away, particularly. Because it's going to be a really, really tough December now. I think we need to. We might need a little pick me up come January oh, as well, even for that. I think that's what it is as well. I think I know it's going to be a tough December. I I, I almost just want somebody to tell me, you know, bef- before the fact. Uh, don't worry, we're going to we're going to give you a little treat in January. It's going to, we're going to we're going to give you a little bump, a little pick me up, like you say, because I just feel like I might be taking a few bruises along the way here now, and it would be good to know that there's going to be. There's going to be a treat at the end of it all. Yeah. Let's do the Vime. Oh, no, before we do that, we have to do the 
Paul Merson, ah, that's just filthy award. <laughs> and, you know, Pau Torres is now, maybe he's not eligible because we've given him an award already. <laughs> to the same, <laughs> same extent. But I'm going to give this to Ezri Konza for the tackle. Uh, the tackle. I mean, Jesus, did this had everything that Bubakar Kamara could do, only it had added Ezri Konza. It was just <laughs> amazing. The timing, the athleticism, like the, the outstretched nature of the slide tackle, and then to back heel, it was a pass. Like he, he did that tackle in the box, outstretched, timed perfectly with his back heel to pass it out to Diego Carlos. Yeah, it's like, oh my lord, and maybe we should start calling him my lord, it was absolutely out of this <laughs> world. And the best thing about this is that by the time the camera tries to pick up, Con- he follows the ball briefly, and by the time it comes back to Konza, Konza's just on his feet, just looking, just scanning the pitch again to see where the ball is, because he's the most ridiculous athlete as well as everything else that he's got. His ability mm-hmm. to get back off the ground is fucking unparalleled, it's unbelievable. This man could just fling himself to the ground and just be standing in the same movement, incredible. He's some man. When we did a Vyman meter, I think Ezra Khan's is going up. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> not it's, it's not really the day for me to be putting people up. I thought everybody was pretty bad. That that tackle was, was ridiculous. It was out of this world. Ah, maybe that is enough. Well, I think Ollie Watkins is going up as well, especially considering how much abuse we've given his last three headers, that he's ever just the header of the season. <laughs> it's a brilliant, brilliant header from Ollie Watkins. And I know I've said this before, but centre forwards can't always be blamed if they're not involved in the game. But it was probably his fucking fifth touch of the game, that header. It was yeah. frustrating how little action he saw today. And then, like, obviously, a lot of people can go down. I'd say before we get into specifics of who's going down, maybe Douglas Oise and Yuri Tillemans, would that be fair enough to say, aren't going down? <sighs> a bit torn between that because I thought on the ball they were both really good but we Burma were kind of running through us at times as well and they were our twos and the midfielders maybe we weren't helped by the system we were playing they were they were good like yeah they're not going down is as far as I'll go <laughs> and then definitely going down I'm going to start with and you're not going to like this Jacob Ramsey <laughs> I, I don't know if you've been following the the Man United Twitter banter after most of their results, or it's most of their games. Like I know they, they thought they were going well there when they scraped a couple of victories against Bullum and Sheffield United and Luton in games that they didn't deserve to win. And they thought like, they were all being very sarcastic actually about the about the commentary of their season, the old season in crisis, is it? And then like you know, two games are out of the Champions League and when, they lose to Newcastle. Yeah, when they scraped when they scraped that fucking win against Fulham, the only team in last season's top ten they've managed to beat away from home. That's eleven <laughs> games against last season's top nine, and they've gone zero wins, one draw, ten defeats. <laughs> and the point is there are a lot of people out there, even United fans, campaigning against Marcus Rashford being the team because, unbelievably, though, Marcus Rashford does wow, seem to have a bit where of... Are you, where are you going with this? He seems to have a bit of an ego. Sorry, I'm not going... I'm not making this connection. I'm just talking about Marcus Rashford separately in, in a second. He... He seems to have a bit of an ego for someone who's really not been playing well. Uh, like, he seems to have put together maybe a season and a half of really, really top football for United. And that's that's created in his own head anyway the superstar syndrome that he seems to have um so he got brought off the other day again and he, he seemed dumbfounded that he was being taken off but anyway there are people that do these highlights reels of marcus rashford's game every every single game and honestly i would say if you did one on jacob ramsey today and i'm not going to do it because i love jacob ramsey to pieces and i also understand that jacob ramsey just coming back from injury as well so i want to give him a little bit of a bit of a leeway but you know i like pushing jacob ramsey i've been pushing him his whole career Liam. i've been pushing and pushing him. i feel like i'm pushing on the team for fucking jason knight <laughs> if i did a highlight reel today of jacob ramsey it would look like marcus rashford you know just running into a player running out of play with the ball knocking around someone and then not getting it to the other side it just he tripping someone when they were coming back out with the ball at a burma defender yeah yeah but it just it was frustrating me a little bit. I know we played it into Douglas Louise for a good chance that we got the John Durant deflection off the post. Oh. Yeah, but that was the that was the one thing that I can remember him not like doing badly. I felt like it was just a bad performance from him. 
Right. That, that and that it wasn't it wasn't a good performance from Jacob Ramsey and, and bad performance, Sergio. Feel free to feel free to put him down the vitamin meter all you want, but you were going to be here all fucking night then if if that's the criteria. If those are the criteria that we're using for this, because everybody was fucking useless today. Jacob Ramsey played one pass inside that nearly like, nearly let the goal. He was the, the least important part of that. But nobody else did fucking in here. Captain John McGinn was hooked because he just wasn't involved in the game. Like, what what the fuck was he playing at? Zaniolo, I'm sure you're going to come on to him. Unai Emery for fucking starting Zaniolo. He should be going down as well. But yeah, Jacob Ramsey. <clears throat> Jacob Ramsey wasn't good today. He definitely wasn't. Um... Marcus Rashford, though, Marcus Rashford has has scored, has had about three seasons where he scored like twenty or thirty goals. I think he scored thirty goals once, twenty goals two or three times as well. But even during that, there was always periods, and I think I might have said it in the podcast before. Keep a fucking eye on this lad because he is doing a lot of walking around the pitch, and it's not just like you know walking, waiting to spring into action. He's far too young and far too athletic to be doing that for a start. But it's walking after he's lost the ball. It's walking whenever he clearly needs to cover back now because it's fucking Diogo Dallo or whoever it is, a fullback for Man United. Yeah. It's, it's walking when he can't afford to be doing that. And to talk about him in the same breath as Jacob Ramsey, Colin, is quite frankly disgraceful. <laughs> he's walking when he's, he's supposed to be playing wing-back in Eric Ten Hag's system. You know, just... <laughs> This is this is where players in that position are supposed to be playing. They're supposed to be the fifth and sixth defenders for Man United, and he's he's not interested in doing it. Liverpool made him look like a fool, basically, up in St James's Park. But, but anyway, uh, now that I've successfully diverted you away from slagging off Jacob Ramsey, let's move. <laughs> yeah, well, like I, I wanted to highlight him because you're right. Like obviously, most people are going down. Zaniolo was a big one. The John McGinn, like Diego Carlos, is obviously probably going down the furthest, but. McGinn thing annoyed me because when they switched him at halftime, and like, and I like this about Emery, it's like he'll just whip somebody off at halftime. That is a good trait, and he, you know, in fairness, now he does have a few good options coming from the bench. But it, like the switch for John McGinn, then when they brought Jacob Ramsey on and they put Jacob Ramsey on the left, and they put John McGinn up, and it was like, oh, here we go. Will we see the Scottish John McGinn now? Will we see Scotland's version? <laughs> Of John McGinn, and it just didn't happen. Didn't even hold the ball up. I was thinking, even this could be good because we could just play it up these hours. He could, he could be a big man up there alongside Watkins, but ah, there was just no. I don't even know if him and Watkins passed the ball each other once. And like he's pretty good for picking out Watkins, but when he's playing midfield, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like you're talking about taking something like Unai Emery's very good to react and take somebody off at half time. I mean, Ramsey coming on for Zaniolo, even if it didn't work, that was the most needed change since the fucking Liverpool team got out of those white suits before the FA Cup final. <laughs> I mean, Zaniolo was absolutely dreadful. And it, start, it start, actually started off where he was just, he was hounding people, he was closing down loads of energy. And I was thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, fair play. Zaniolo has sick of not getting any minutes the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But then I realised he wasn't actually closing people down. He was doing that fucking lazy prick thing where he's just running at people and getting skinned. People are just stepping around him. And then all of a sudden they're just in space. It was like, you know, I can make it look like I'm working hard here just by running in a straight line for a couple of metres. And then I'm out of the game because I ran past the guy. Oh, look, sorry, I tried my best. Zaniel was dreadful whenever he came on today and his attitude didn't... It didn't hold up to what it should have been as well, given how badly he was playing. And I think the first shot that he had got into his head as well, because he had a couple of more opportunities from a similar angle where he refused to shoot, where he definitely should have. I think the one where just before Konza, just before Konza put in that incredible tackle, Zaniolo, the ball was pinged into him. And again, he just kind of dwaddled on the ball and it got taken off his toe. And then all of a sudden, Burnmouth were on the attack again. It's a really bad performance from Zaniolo and really doesn't do himself any favours given that he hasn't been in the team for a while and not even a nutmeg in sight as well like that that should be an automatic going down the vitamin meter for Zaniolo <laughs> and the good news is we obviously the good news we've got Man City on Wednesday night but we are going to play Man City without Rodri who is now suspended again we know how well that went for him the last time he got suspended without Doku who is injured and without mm-hmm. Grealish who would replace Doku Grealish is suspended now as well so they're yeah, coming a bit weaker yeah, <laughs> but they're they're coming in a bit weaker. Their options are a, a, a bit. They're still going to have a, a class team. They're going to have all the ball for for most of the game. Be tough. C- could Holland? Could Holland get a little cheeky suspension now after his antics at halftime, roaring and shouting at the red? That, that that's disrespectful. Let the refs get on with it, mate. Come on. <laughs> 
Yeah, like like City were not good. They they were not good today at all. They conceded three goals. They've conceded a lot of goals over the last couple of weeks, despite Pep Guardiola spending another two hundred million quid on defenders. And I just <laughs> they're not. They don't look as quite as formidable as they will between February and end of the season. They look like they can be got at. If we can, if we can put on any sort of a level of performance, which we obviously normally do at Villa Park, I would be fairly hopeful that we could we could do something. I mean, that Spurs team today wasn't good. Players out on the pitch aren't aren't anywhere near Aston Villa's players' ability, and they were fucking very good against City today. And yeah. City were really bad. I took a minus four to get Son out. Son, who got a goal and an assist. I took a minus four to get him out for Darwin Nunes. Connor, a couple of weeks ago, you committed to talking about fantasy football once a week or once a month. Once a month, yeah. This is December's one now. We're on the fucking Marches one, if we're being honest. <laughs> you keep fucking dropping it in. And just because just because I'm not responding to it doesn't mean I don't notice it. You, like You might have noticed that I commonly don't respond to it. But I have been totting it up. That's you for the season, pal. <laughs> the, the, the question we can't answer, but probably will, does involve the Man City game. What was Simon Hooper thinking and talking about? Is this, is, is this a cowardly decision? Because Simon Hooper, like we, we talked about Jacob Ramsey. Here, here we go now. We like this one and compare Jacob Ramsey to Erling Haaland. We talked about <laughs> it on Thursday night when his best passes to play was holding the ball up, getting foul and still flicking it off. It's Aniolo, I think it was. And the ref pulled it back for a free. Erling Haaland does the same. He gets fouled. He still gets the ball away. He still gets a lovely pass away to Jack Grealish over the top. And the ref, when he realizes that Erling Haaland is just going to play on, he's not looking for a free. He say the referee says play on. He signals to play on, and then he sees Jack Grealish is through, and he pulls it back. He pulls it back, and I, I was thinking, is he, is he worried there that no, his decision is leading to a goal? And it's like, but but no, your decision is is taken away. He goes, how is that better? Rest freak out about. About, about having an impact on something that will now be a goal when it seemed like they could have just brought it back for a fight. But this this should be as bad. Just just stop. Stop getting involved in narratives in the match. Just let it play. Like it's not up to you to decide who draws or wins the match. But he saw Jack really threw in goal and decided there was no advantage to Korean, so he brought it back for the free kick. <laughs> <laughs> the, the real question we can answer here is what do people think that Jack Grealish is going to do with the ball there? Like, Ake, Ake's at the age of his own box. He's like, he's not an option for him anymore. I think it's, 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 fucking, it's, it's absolutely baffling. It's really, really strange refereeing. Like, I don't know. Like, is, he, is he trying to level things up because the Premier League seemed determined to let City win another title before they actually finally take their case against them next year? Uh, maybe maybe he was just blowing so hard that his breath went through his fucking whistle on his wrist. I don't know. Like, it was absolutely crazy, crazy decision making from him. And I don't think I think you've given him far too much credit there to think that he was actually in a thought process. I think his head was just fucking scrambled and he couldn't remember what he was supposed to do. <laughs> just another another ringing endorsement for a Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> All he couldn't remember what he's supposed to do. He didn't have to do anything. He just had to watch football unfold in front of him. That's all he had to do. Pretend like he was going to catch up to the play. Just do what you normally do. Yeah, but he did do that. And then he was like, oh, wait, was there something that's supposed to have Alpha? And just blew his whistle. <laughs> Can't do anything. Can't do anything. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. It's good. it's good to see. You know, it's good to see our two oh, rivals really. drawn. We always, we always want that. Um, but yeah. It, it, it makes it a bit spicier now coming to Wednesday night where I think that did you text me a wins during the match? I think I might have missed that. You were sending me that much crying. It was basically City City coming to Villa needing a win now, which, which isn't a nice place to be either. No, like, but I'm more encouraged by how bad City played than actually expecting them to have some sort of a have some sort of a reaction to that performance. I think that performance was so bad that we should actually just be encouraged by the fact that maybe Man City just aren't fucking at it. Well, do you want to know how much they're not at it or how much we are at it? I didn't realise this. Villa are the second highest scorers in the league. And I knew they were at a stage when they were behind Brighton and they were behind Newcastle, but they're, they're not ahead of both of those teams. And like, Villa have scored 33, Man City have scored 36. Man City have conceded 16, Villa have conceded 20, Villa have 29 points, Man City have 30 points. This 
by every right, by every metric, these are two teams going head to head on merit. These are two equals coming to Villa Park and they're coming here without Rodri, without Doku, and they're coming here with what I think should be without Holland. We should start that campaign now. <laughs> Let's take a nice breather and anyway. we've got a few days to recover and we've got a big, big, big match on Wednesday before another big, big one against Arsenal on Saturday. And you know, Liam, you know I've been saying this to you for a couple of weeks now. I said to you, A, we were going to beat Spurs. And I also did say to you, and I will put my neck on the line right now, I said, we are going to beat either Man City or Arsenal. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure which one it is yet, but I do have a feeling that Emery is cooking something in the background. Let's find out. So let's find out. Watch this space. All you can do is tune in on Wednesday night to find out if they did beat Man City or not. We will break that news to you. <laughs> we, will, we will chat to you then. Thanks a million again for all the support, for sharing on the podcast, for all the tweets and emails and, and Instagram messages as well. All appreciate it. Please follow us on all these places if you aren't already. And also maybe just give us a little review on spotify apple wherever it is you're you're listening to your podcast because it does help as well pushes it into other people's feeds and sure who couldn't do with a bit more of the villa podcast in their feed anyway thanks very much for all the support and we will chat to you on wednesday Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.